Good morning, Crestview family. Welcome to church this morning. We're so glad that you came to worship with us. Uh, if you are a visitor with us for the first time, we would, I would love to extend an extra special welcome to you. Not, the, not that I don't spend an extra special welcome to everybody. Um, if you are visiting with us, there are some cards in the pews in front of you um, that are visitor cards that you can fill out and drop it in the offering plate when they go by. We just like to get to know you a little bit better, any needs you have, uh, just anything you'd like to share with us on there. Uh, just a few announcements to get us going. Uh, I'm not going to sit here and talk long. I do want to remind any youth, 6th grade through 12th grade, who would like to come tonight, we are meeting here at the church at 4.30 again, 4.30 again tonight, and we are going to the second night of Go Wild for Jesus at uh, New Beginnings Church up towards Faustin. Uh, the student seat free. Uh, I think they had, we had a four last night go. I think they had fun. I think they were um, very powerful speakers. And I think, uh, I mean, I think they were, I, I think and hope they were listening because I know God was working at that place last night. Um, don't forget about our uh, Wednesday night services this week. Huh? Oh, yes. And if, and if, before I go to Wednesday night, at five o'clock tonight, um, we're going to meet at, you're going to leave at Chris? Oh, you're going to meet out here. Oh, well, when I said that, you pointed and said, okay, we're, they're going to meet at Crest at 5 o'clock tonight to pray as we get ready to begin school this week. Um, school starts back all around the county. Uh, Wednesday, I know Thomas, we have several of our students here go to Thomas Jefferson. They start Thursday. So if you can't make it, to, if you can make it tonight, I encourage you to. If you can't, I encourage you to be in prayer for the students and the staff and the parents as we start school this week. I know we got some kids going to kindergarten for the first time and uh, things like that. Um, Tuesday night, there's going to be a work day here at the church. I'm assuming 6 o'clock. Yep, 6 o'clock, meet here at the church. Uh, we got, they got some stuff they're going to work on, so if you can come out to that, uh, I'm sure the men will be greatly appreciative. Um, I know we finished up the playground. If you have an opportunity, go out and look at the fresh coat of mulch on the playground. Uh, we spent the last two Saturdays weeding and putting down mulch and pressure washing, and it looks, it looks great out there. And so um, just remember our Wednesday night services this week. Um, and um, Joy has something she wants to share with you. And when Joy gets done sharing something with you, Jim has something he wants to share with you. And then I'm going to turn it over to Artie. So, hope you guys enjoy the service. Okay, it didn't get in the bulletin because of technical difficulties this week. But WMU is Tuesday night. And we're going to meet here at the church at 6 o'clock. And it'll be at Celeste's house in Gaffney. So uh, we'd like to invite all women to come and join us. Um, we'll get a group together here and we'll drive on down there uh, using GPS, which me and Janie got lost last time, but we might can find it this time. Uh, Michaela knows where it's at. <laughs> and also I want to mention the nominating committee. Uh, we've got some things that are almost full, uh, but we need a few more people. We would mainly, most definitely, like to have an assistant treasurer. Um, you know, we haven't had one until Jim did it for Jim Kinder, 
And you can see the need because when Ann got sick, we were kind of in a panic and Jim had to just jump in and take over. And uh, Jim Kinder did that and now he's taught Jim Umphreys. So we need somebody to come along with Jim Umphreys to learn the job. We can also use some help uh, on transportation, building and grounds. Uh, several different things. So if you're interested in joining us and doing something for the church, just see me or see Nancy. And I think that's all. Thank you. Thank you, Joy. Uh, on behalf of the Finance Committee, I just want to remind everyone that our uh, monthly business meeting is next Sunday. It's the last business meeting of the fiscal church year, so we will be voting on the new church budget. If you haven't already had a look at it, we've got them out here on the vestibule in the little plastic tray there with copies. It's just one sheet front and back. Please, if, you, if you're not already familiar with it, take a look at it, check it out, and next Sunday we'll be voting on that along with a lot of other things. But uh, just want to make sure we're all aware of that. Thank you. Artie. Good morning. It is great to see everybody here. I'm going to tell you, Satan didn't want us getting together today. He didn't want me to prepare my sermon. He didn't want us to get a bulletin. He didn't want anything going on at this church today. That's what I say. Too bad. <laughs> Satan lost because we're still having church. It has been a crazy week. We did have lightning run into our church uh, during Monday night storm, we came in Tuesday morning and Nancy opened the door to our fire alarms going off. No fire, but it fried the board in the fire alarm. We had no internet because everything in our church is networked. We couldn't do anything. They thought they had it fixed Wednesday night, came in at 7.30 Thursday morning, nothing. Couldn't print, couldn't look anything up, and we have no cell service in this church building, just FYI. So you can't even use your cell phone sitting in there in the offices. We finally got it fixed. Come in this morning, hey, everything's going great. Or actually, Friday night, came in, it was 85 degrees in this sanctuary. It felt like a sauna. Scott and Larry Hammett cleaned out filters and changed filters in here. Got one of the units running. But we've got two that are out that are not working. Come in this morning. Apparently lightning must have got one of, one of our, uh, some of the lines because there's several things that aren't working. But I'm going to tell you something, people. We were going to have church this morning. Even if I had to go by the funeral home and pick up some handheld fans and do it old school and open the two windows in the back, which are the only windows in this sanctuary that open. Well, the third one up there. We would have opened and we could have sat here and done this. We were going to have church. Because God is worthy of our worship. And Jesus Christ, our Savior, is worthy of our praise. And He is the why, why we are here today. And we would have gone old school. 
because if it was good for Paul and Silas, it's good enough for me, right? Isn't that the way? We would we would have done it. Now I am not dressed like I normally dress on a Sunday morning because I knew it was going to get warm in here. And I'm prepared to sweat today because God's got a message He wants us to hear. Because one thing about it is I think our churches have forgot who God really is. And we're going to look at Scripture to see who God really is this morning. So as we begin our time of worship today, please join me in prayer as we approach the throne of grace to start our time. Let's pray. Our blessed Heavenly Father, we come before you humbly bowing before your throne. God, you are the God of creation and the God of salvation. You are Jehovah. You are Yahweh. And dear Lord, you are God the provider. And dear Lord, not only did you provide the plan of salvation and the means of salvation through your son, Jesus Christ. But through his blood, you have given us forgiveness of sin, dear Lord. You have sealed us and you have saved us. And those that have faith in you, our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. And we are joint heirs with Jesus, as Paul says. Dear Lord, we praise you for that. Dear Lord, even though things have been crazy this week and there's so many different things going on right now. Dear Lord, I pray that you have your way with us today. That your spirit moves among your people. Dear Lord, that you open our ears, open our hearts so that we can receive your word. Dear Lord, as we sing your praises today, as the choir and Sandra lead us, that we would not just repeat words, but we would mean everything that we say and we would sing it to the top of our lungs because you alone are worthy of worship. Dear Lord, as Chad talks with the children, that you would speak through him as they go to children's church, dear Lord, may the truths of your word touch their little lives and their hearts so that they will understand what it means to be a Christian. Dear Lord, I pray for those that are, cannot be with us today, that you would be with them, that you would allow them to feel your presence and your power. Dear Lord, if there is someone here or listening online that does not know Jesus Christ as their Savior, I ask that your Holy Spirit will convict them that would pierce their stubbornness. That they may come to know Him as their Savior today. And dear Lord, above all, may everything that we do and say be to your honor and glory as we worship you today. And it's in the holy and precious name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, we pray. Amen. There are hundreds of references in the Bible about singing praises to our God, our Savior. So we are so honored and just 
fortunate to be able to meet together and sing praises to him this morning. So why do we have a choir if we're all going to sing? Go back to the Old Testament. Who led the soldiers in battle? The choir. So singing praises to the Lord gave the soldiers the strength that they needed to defeat the enemy. So like I already said, hey, we got a war going on. Satan's here. So choir, let's lead our congregation as we fight this battle this morning against Satan and sing praises to our Lord and Savior. Worship the King. Let us pray. Our dear Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the many blessings you have given us. And I pray now that you will bless this gift, bless the giver, and please use these offerings, dear Lord, to further your kingdom. For it is your holy name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand again as we sing our hymn of praise, number 10. We'll sing the first and the last verses of How Great Thou Art.
children's sermon. Alright, I got a question, and I want you guys to be honest, and parents and whoever brought you is going to be listening, and they're going to, they're going to keep you honest. Who in here are good listeners? If you're a good listener, raise your hand. Tucker thought about it, said he didn't even think about it. I said, huh? Isabel thought about it. She said, eh, you're a listener, Kai? All right, do you always listen? Do you ever make excuses or, or say like, Whew, who are you talking to? You ever do that? Kind of talked about this with the big kids this morning. I had one, you probably guess who it was. I said, talking about listen. He said, I'm too scared not to listen. That was, that was, it was, he belonged to Pastor Artie, let's just say. <laughs> so, uh, but being a good listener is important, and we are going to talk about. And this is really, um, this is really amazing the way God works. Because I had a couple of things. I had two things on my mind, and I knew one of our families was sick, and we was only going to have uh, a couple kids here. So I put one of my what I had originally planned off till next week, and then I said, okay, I'm going to stick back to what I was going to talk about. And I was going to talk about Moses, and I'm going to be honest with you, I didn't have no clue Artie was going to talk about Moses today. So we're here, but we're a little bit, just a few verses ahead of Artie. We're going to talk about when Moses was out in the desert, and he came across a bush. Anybody ever walked up on a bush? Anybody ever seen a bush? All right, there was a bush, and it was on fire, and it was burning up. And now, I said, I'm going to be honest with you, I walked out the desert, there was a bush that wasn't, and I saw it on fire, and it wasn't burning up. I'm out of it. And then, if the bush talked to me, <laughs> I'm out of there again. And uh, it was God that talked to me, but I mean, 
sorry, we're going to check this bush out. He's like, oh, I'm going to see why this bush is about burning up. And uh, all of a sudden, the bush said, with God, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. And so Moses, at that point, began to listen to what God had to say. We're going to talk about it a little bit about the scripture. But it was important. What if Moses wasn't listening? What if he wouldn't stop listening? Would the story turn out the same? Because we're going to find Moses is a he is Israelite. What if Moses would say, I'm not talking about Bush, I'm going about my business. But no, he didn't know. He was, he was willing to listen to God. And to listen, sometimes it takes us to have to sit and be quiet and actually pay attention. Um, last night at our youth round, one of the youth, one of the speakers of the gospel was talking about prayer and said that one of the most important things about prayer is to take time to listen to what God has to say to you. And so if we get ready to start soul, and you get ready to make some friends, and you got to go out and you heard about God, it's your, it's your, it's your job to go out the school and tell other people about Jesus. And so I want you guys, as school gets ready to start, we talked about it, and you've got to take time to listen to what God might have to say to you. Okay? We're going to talk about more in the church. We're going to talk about it. Thank you so much today. Thank you for these boys that are living. Thank you for the love that you give to Jesus. Lord, with all the business and all the crazy things going on, I pray that you that we have the wisdom to slow down, close our mouths, open our ears, and listen to whatever it is that you might have to say. All this I ask in the name of your son, Jesus Christ.
Thank you, choir. Is there anybody else excited for the fact that he said it's done? I am, I am so glad that it is done. Well, we are going to continue the series on This Is My Creed about the, the disciples or the apostles' creed as well as the Baptist faith and message. Because, and the reason that we are doing this is because there is a lot of heresy, falsehoods, and deception coming from so-called preachers all over the world. We shouldn't be surprised at that because the Bible tells us that's going to happen. And so, in order for us to be the disciples in the church that Christ has called us to be, and fulfill the Great Commission, we have to first understand what we believe. Last week we talked about a firm foundation about the fact that our beliefs need to be grounded in what? You guys can talk back. In what? Say that again. Our beliefs have to be founded in what, people? God's Word. Scripture. That is our foundation. That means from Genesis chapter 1 to the very last word in Revelation, and I believe that the very last word in Revelation is what? Amen? I've heard somebody say, "My, I believe it. 
from where it says this Bible belongs to, to the maps. Have you guys heard that before? Every word, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, all of it. And God's Word is inspired. It's God-breathed. So everything that we believe is based on God's Word. But we're going to continue looking at the Apostles' Creed and at the Baptist faith, the message, and how they go hand in hand and why it's important that we know it. Because the first thing that it says in the Apostles' Creed is, I believe in God the Father, Maker of heaven and earth. The very first part of that. In the Baptist faith and message, it starts with Scripture, but the very next thing that it talks about is God the Father. So, that's what we are looking at today. So, if you would stand, turn to Exodus chapter 3. We're going to look at two verses as our jumping off point in Exodus chapter 3. Verses 13 and 14. And yes, this is picking up the story where that Chad was sharing about Moses after 40 years being in the desert tending sheep and goats, he comes upon the burning bush and God meets him in a very unique way there. And this is the, the conversation or part of the conversation that God has with Moses. And God has told Moses that what He wants him to do. And Moses says, but... And then He starts giving him excuses. And this is what He says. It says in verse 13, Then Moses said to God, Behold, I am going to the sons of Israel, and I shall say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. Now they may say to me, What is His name? Who is He? What shall I say to them? And this is what God says back to him. I, and God said to Moses, I am who I am. And He said, Thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank You so much for what we see recorded in Your Word. May we have a full understanding of who You are today. And it's in the precious name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, we pray. Amen. Now, I am going to have to ask you to do this. Buckle up, because there is a lot of different Scripture that we're going to look at today. It's all going to be up on the screen, but you need to buckle up and hang on. Here are some things that we have to understand. This is the fact. Okay? The Apostles' Creed says, I believe in God the Father, Maker of heaven and earth. And here are some facts that we need to understand about that. The fact of God's existence is so conspicuous, both through nature, through creation, and through our own conscience. Man's conscience. You see, there's a philosopher that says that we are all created with a God-shaped vacuum in our soul. That emptiness 
that tells us that there's something else that needs to go there. Something else there. And we may try to fill it with different things, but nothing will fill that emptiness that we have inside except God, because God has made us that way. So, God's existence is so conspicuous. In fact, the Bible tells us that atheists, those that say there is no God, are fools. Look at Psalm chapter 14, verse 1a. The first part of verse 1. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Jesus says, when they tell him to tell his disciples to be quiet as he is entering the city, and he says, I can't. Because if they stopped praising me, that what would happen? The very rocks would cry out. Nature says and tells us that there is a God. It is so conspicuous, conspicuous that the Bible itself says only a fool would say there is no God. But here's another fact that we have to understand. That the Bible never attempts to prove the existence of God. Do you guys realize that? There is no place in the Bible that tries to prove to us that God exists. Rather, it assumes the existence of God from the very beginning. Genesis chapter 1-1, the very first book in the Bible, does not try to prove to us that the God exists, but it says merely this, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. It sees the existence of God as being a fact and does not need to be proven. It assumes the existence of God from the very beginning. And so we have to understand that. That the Bible is not to prove the existence of God. But what the Bible does is reveal to us the nature, character, and work of God. It tells us who God is. What He's like. And so that's what we're going to be doing today is looking at these. But the first thing that we have to understand is who is God? Because thinking correctly about who God is is the utmost importance to us. There is nothing more important to us than understanding who God is. Because a false idea about God is literally idolatry. Do you guys understand what I just said? A false idea about who God is is idolatry. God Himself in His commands that He gave to Moses says this, Thou shalt have no other gods before Me. He told Moses, 
I am who I am. We have to understand this regardless of what preachers... And I, Listen, I'm going to tell you this. Dan shared a video with me, with me last week of a pastor of a mega church in our area. He was preaching on these same verses that, that I started out with. And he literally said this, and I could not believe it when he said this. He said that when God told Moses, I am, what he was telling Moses is that I am as you are. Basically saying that God was telling Moses that he was the same as he was. That he was God. You guys remember back in Genesis? When the serpent came to Eve and God had given them the command, don't eat of this particular tree, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Don't touch it. Don't eat it. And we actually didn't say don't touch it. He said don't eat it. And Satan said, the only reason God doesn't want you to eat it is because the moment you eat it, you will be just like God. You'll be the same as God. And then you come to presence and you got a pastor standing in the, in the pulpit saying that when Mo, God told Moses that he was, it was because Moses was just like him. Hmm. We're going to look a little bit at that. Here's the thing we have to realize is God is not like us. Psalm 50 verse 21 says this, these things you have done, and I kept silent. You thought that I was just like you. I will reprove you and state the case in order before your eyes. What God is saying there is that we thought that He was just like us, but He's going to prove to us right before our eyes that He is not like us. You see, when God said, I am who I am, or I am that I am, it is a common English translation of the Hebrew, Haya, or Har, I can't speak Hebrew, so please. Haya, Asar, Haya. It can also be translated as, I am who I am. I will become what I choose to become. I am what I am. I will be that I will be. I created whatever I create. Or, I am the existing one. He exists only in Himself. There is not a beginning or an end. When He says, I am the Alpha and Omega, He's saying that Everything started with me and everything's going to end with me. If we are the same as God, is there a time that you don't exist? 
What about before you're born? Before you're conceived? Do you exist? No. The moment of conception, and I'm not going to argue with you about this, because there's not an argument. The moment that you're conceived, and God starts knitting you together in your mother's womb, the Bible says, before I knit you together in your mother's womb, I knew you. So before you existed, before you were knit together and formed in your mother's womb, God knew you. But you did not exist as you are now. And then you're born. And the moment you're born, what starts happening to you? You start the process of dying. And eventually there's going to come an end because the Bible also tells us that there's a pointed unto man wants to die and after this the judgment. There's going to be a beginning and an end to you. There is no beginning and end to God. We are not the same. So when God says this in, in chapter or in Exodus 3.14, God said to Moses, I am who I am. And He said, Thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, I am the all-existing One, the forever One, the One that created all things, the One that can do all things, the One that is not like you has sent you. So let's look at God's nature. We know certain things to be true about God's nature because His mercy, and through His mercy, He has chosen to reveal some of His qualities to us. One thing that we know is God is spirit. By nature, He is intangible. That word intangible means that it cannot be measured. It cannot be quantified. You cannot put parameters on it. You cannot accurately describe it. It's intangible, but you know it's there. You see, in John, the Gospel of John, chapter 4, verse 24, it says, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. We also know that God is one. But even though He is one, He exists in three persons. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We will look at those last two later. Matthew 3, verse 16 and 17. After being baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were open, and He saw the Spirit of God descending as a dove and lighting on Him. And behold, a voice out of the heaven said, This is my Son, my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We also see in Scripture that God is infinite. 1 Timothy 1.17 Now to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Immortal. Infinite. There is no end. And then we also see that nothing compares to God. God is incomparable. 
2 Samuel 7.22 For this reason you are great, O Lord God, for there is none like You, and there is no God beside You, according to all that we have heard with our ears. There is nothing that compares to You. God is unchanging. Malachi chapter 3, verse 6, For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore you, O sons of Jacob, are not consumed. The God doesn't change. He is always the same. Yesterday, today, and tomorrow. God is omnipresent. God exists everywhere. Psalm 139, verses 7-12 through says this, Where can I go from Your Spirit? Or where can I flee from Your presence? If I ascend to heaven, You are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, behold, You are there. If I take the wings of the dawn, if I dwell in the remotest parts of the sea, even there Your hand will lead me, and Your right hand will lay hold of me. If I say, surely the darkness will overwhelm me, and the light around me will be night, even in the darkness, or even the darkness is not dark to You. And the night is as bright as the day. Darkness and light are alike to You. There is nowhere you can go to get away from God. And God is omniscient. means God is is all-knowing, knows everything. Psalm 147.5 Great is our Lord and abundant in strength. His understanding is infinite. And then Isaiah verse 40, or excuse me, chapter 40, verse 29. Do you not know? Have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the Creator of the ends of the earth, does not become weary or tired. He under, his understanding is inscrutable. He understands everything. And God is omnipotent, meaning He's all-powerful. Job 42.2 I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. You know, Chad asked the question, if Moses would not have been obedient, if Moses would have ran away from that burning bush, would the story have been different? I'm going to tell you something, people. No. Because no no matter if we're obedient or not, God is still God and God gets His way. Either God would have got Moses' attention real quick, and Moses would have done what God wanted him to, or God would have got rid of Moses and got somebody that would. But God had a plan, and there was nothing. We are not powerful enough. We are not strong enough. We are His creation. We are not God, and we cannot stand in the way of God's work. It goes a lot better for us when we get on board with what God's trying to do and are obedient and go along with Him. 
that is much more preferable than God having to move you out of the way. But there is nothing that can, we, we can do that will stop His plans. We cannot lessen His power. And then look at Revelation chapter 19, verse 1. After these things I have heard something like a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven saying, Hallelujah! Salvation and glory and power belong to our God. God is God. And there is nothing that we can ever do to change that. No matter, we can say He's dead. We can take Him, try to take Him out of our lives and take Him out of our equations. Take Him out of everything. Does that change the fact that God is still God? No. Because only the fool says in his heart that there is no God. And then you look at God's character. God reveals aspects of His character in the Bible. God is just. Deuteronomy 32.4 The rock, His work is perfect. For all His ways are just. A God of faithfulness and without injustice. Righteous and upright is He. God is loving. Now I have to underst- you have to understand that especially now. Uh, we're talking about the Apostles' Creed, and I found out afterwards, after we started this, this series of the Apostles' Creed, that there is something that is being called the Sparkle Creed. I was at the pastor's conference and we were talking about what we're preaching. I was talking about how we were going back to the basics and looking at the Apostles' Creed and the Baptist faith and message. And they, one of the pastors picking at me and joking with me says, oh, you mean you're not using the Sparkle Creed? I'm like, what's that? Oh my Lord! If you don't know what I'm talking about, Google it. It is the craziest thing that I've ever heard that this pastor is sitting there reading. And that's why, and it's, it's a female pastor, and she's teaching her church this. And I'm going to tell you there are only about three words it said God, Jesus, and Son. The rest of it's a bunch of garbage. Talking about that it's all about love, that, that God, the, God is a non-binary. And He is like a prism that takes in the one light and refracts it into a rainbow. And, and that we are to love above love is love and God is love and, and all this stuff. Oh my, oh. Yes, God is love, but not in the way that they're meaning it. 
For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever shall believe in Him should not die, but have everlasting life. That is the God of love. That is love. The love of God is described by Paul in his letters to the Corinthians. It is not this warm, fuzzy, oh, rainbows and butterflies. It is not dressing up like a woman and regardless of what biology says, which is the craziest thing I've ever heard, the science is saying science doesn't matter now. Oh my Lord! Can I tell you something? And this is it's not a secret. It's science. And it's biblical. No matter how many trans men or trans women you take, and when they die and they, they get buried and the archaeologists come and dig them up, you know what they're going to see? They're going to look at them. They're going to test them. And they're going to see by, their, by the way their skeletal remains are put together and their skeleton, they're going to see men. They're not going to see women. They're going to see men. Their DNA is going to tell them that they're men. Now, I'm chasing a rabbit now, so let me get back over here. But that's not the type of love that they're talking about. God is loving. Look at Ephesians 2, 4-5. through But God, being rich in mercy because of His great love which he, with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Paul says in Romans, even while we were yet sinners, God loved us. That is the loving God. God is truthful. 1 John chapter 5, verse 20. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know Him who is true. And we are in Him who is true. In His Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. God is holy. Revelation 15.4 Who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify the name? Or your name, for you alone are what? Holy. You alone are holy. For all the nations will come and worship before you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. God shows compassion. Mercy and grace. Psalms 86, verse 15. But you, O Lord, are a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness and truth. God is slow to anger. You know, Dan shared another video with me and I got to watch it this morning. And they were, the question was, and 
was if it's if God is slow to anger, then why did he punish Adam and Eve immediately? Well, let's see. God tells Adam not to touch of the fruit or he would surely do what? Die. Which means that God told him, if you do this, you're going to die. Well, after he did it, God walked in the garden, called his name, they hid from him. He knew where they were. God pronounced judgment on them, but He covered their nakedness. He covered their sin with the shedding of blood. Covered their nakedness. Told them that from this point on, that they were going to have a hard time. They were going to have to scrape. They were going to have to work. They were, she was, the, the Eve was going to have pain and childbirth. And that His days would be numbered. And that he would die. But because of grace, because of mercy, he proved his long suffering. In fact, the preacher that they're asking this question, he literally said this What is wrong with you people? Asking questions like that. Trying to prove that God was not long-suffering because He punished them. He's long-suffering because He didn't do what He said He was going to do right away. He showed them grace and mercy. Let me break another one down for you. Everyone sitting in this pews, everybody in this congregation, especially the one up here preaching, deserves death. Because we do not meet God's standards. But because He is graceful and He is merciful and He is loving, He has given us a way of forgiveness. And He has given us a way through Jesus Christ to avoid that punishment. Does that mean that we still do not have to deal with the results of sin? No. Well, how do you know that? Because we're all going to die. We deal with sickness. We deal. You can look at a fallen world and we have these problems, not because God is, is doing it to us, but because it's sin and sin does it to us and God is faithful to His Word. And He told us that we were going to deal with it. But He gets us away through it. God judges sin. He is judicial. Ecclesiastes 12.14 says this, For God will bring every act to judgment, everything which is hidden, whether it is good or evil. We will all be held accountable. Paul says it this way. 
Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Whatever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. We have to understand that. But the good thing is, is that God, one of His characteristics is this, that God gives forgiveness. He is a forgiving God. Psalm 130, verse 4. But there is forgiveness with you that you may be feared. There is forgiveness in God. And then let's look at God's works. We cannot understand God apart from His works because what God does flows from who He is. In fact, what does the Bible say about us? That by our fruits we shall be known. They will know us by our fruits. That's how we know God. We know Him by His works. We can't... And the first thing we have to understand is that God created the world. Again, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and earth. In John chapter 1, verse 1. It's not up there, but it says this. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Okay? Okay? Not only did God create the world, but He actively sustains the world. This idea that God just created things and wound it up and let it go and sits back and watches. That's false. Look at what Galatians chapter 1, verse 17 says. He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. That God keeps everything in order. You guys realize <clears throat> that if we were just a fraction of an inch further away from the sun, that we would freeze to death. And if we were a fraction of an inch closer to the sun, we'd all burn up. Isn't that crazy? And people want to tell me that that just happened by accident. That happened in an explosion. That it was set just a perfect place where it could sustain life. That as we are rotating, we don't spin. Listen, if I was up there in the moon and I took a rock and I started spinning that rock, what would happen to that rock? It'd be spinning from here to eternity because there's nothing to change it. It would just keep spinning and go further and further out in space. But here we are that have the right gravity to hold us in space as we spin around like a top. And we're supposed to believe that that happened by accident. That's literally like taking a, a watch and taking all these parts of a watch. You ever taken a watch apart? I have. I no longer have a watch. But it would be like putting that watch in a bag, closing it up and shaking it 
and then dumping it out and having a, a fully operating, put together watch. I can't even do it when I'm looking at it. With tools and everything. I cannot get those little bitty gears and those springs and everything back in where they're supposed to go in the right order. I can't do it. There are people that can do it. But I guarantee you they don't put it in a bag and shake it up and throw it on the table and it's fixed. But that's what people want us to believe. That that's what it's like. God holds it all together. God is executing His internal plan. I said this back at Easter. God, from the very beginning, God had a plan. And His plan is still in place. Ephesians 1.11 Also, we have attained an inheritance having been predestined according to His purpose who works all things after the counsel of His will. God has a plan. And it's working. God's plan is the redemption of man. Even before He created Adam and Eve, He knew what was going to happen. And He had a plan in place. A plan to redeem His creation. Galatians 3, 13-14 Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree in order that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we would receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. When God promised Abraham and made the covenant with Abraham that he would be a great nation and that through him all nations would be blessed, that included us. And Christ is the fulfillment of that promise to redeem us. God draws us to Christ. I shared this. I can't remember if I shared it Wednesday or last Sunday. I got asked the other day, how many people I saved? I didn't save anybody. I've never saved anybody. I can't save anybody. Because that's not my purpose. That's not my job. What my job is, is to tell people what God says. To share with them the difference that Christ can make in their lives. But it's God that draws us to Christ. It is the Holy Spirit that convicts us. And it's them. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, that does the changing. That does the saving. John 6, 44. No one can come to Me unless the Father who sent Me draws him. And I will raise him up on the last day. God draws us to Christ. God disciplines His children. Hebrews 12.6 For those whom the Lord loves, He disciplines. And He scourges every son whom He receives. You guys realize that that's the reason we discipline is because we love? You tell your, your child not to do something because it may harm them. 
I remember Timothy used to run out into the road in front of our house. He wouldn't even look. And at that point, cars, Turner trucks were going up and down that road going to 74. And he would just run out in the road. And I'm going to tell you something. I did the daddy do do with him several times. Anybody know what the daddy do do is? It's where you take your belt and you grab the arm and you're swinging around like this in circles. I lit him up and I told him, no matter how much this is hurting now, it's nothing compared to what you would feel like if you got hit by one of those trucks or what me and mom would feel like if you got hit by one of those trucks. I didn't discipline him. I didn't tan his hide, so to speak, just to be mean. I did it because I loved him and I wanted to keep him around. And we're stubborn enough, sometimes that's the only way we can learn a lesson is through a little bit of pain. My mamma used to tell me she was applying the, the board of correction to the seat of knowledge, or the board of education to the seat of knowledge, is what she would tell me. Sometimes it worked, sometimes I needed a little bit more education. But God does that to us because He loves us. And then God will judge the world. Revelation chapter 20, verse 1, or excuse me, verse 11 through 15. Then I saw a great white throne, and him who sat upon it, from whose presence earth and heaven fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, the great and the small, standing before the throne. And books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged from things that were written in, these, in the books according to their deeds. And the sea gave up their dead, the dead which were in it. And the death and death and Hades gave up their, the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every one of them, according to their deeds. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Church, this very God, the great I Am, is going to judge sin. Is going to judge the world. And we're going to be held accountable for what we teach, for what we believe. And I'm going to tell you this. We have to understand who God is. God the Father. He is not a, 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 a figment of our imagination. He is not a Santa Claus-like type person that is there just to shower us with what we want. He is the great I Am. 
He alone is worthy of our praise. He alone is worthy of glory. There is no one like Him. There is no one more strong than He is. There is no one that knows more than He is. Regardless of what we think, we are not God and we do not know everything. We can't control everything. And we need Him. Because He created us to have a relationship with Him. And He loved us so much that even when we were disobedient, even when we walked away from Him, He had a plan to redeem us unto Himself. He had the plan of Jesus Christ coming, walking among us, dying on the cross, shedding His blood as the perfect sacrifice for us, and then rising again on the third day defeating death, hell, and the grave, and giving us forgiveness of sin. And allowing us, those that call on His name, those of us that that confess Him and ask for forgiveness, the right to be called children of God. The right to come into the Holy of Holies before Him and make our petitions known. We don't have to go through a priest. We don't have to go through anything else because Jesus did it all. And when He said on the cross, it is done. It is finished. That was it. All we have left to do is be obedient. All we have left to do is to trust Him. And church, it does bother me when I hear people preaching That we need to distance ourselves from Scripture. That we need to change the way we look at God. The way we need to change salvation. The way that we need to change all of this stuff. But I want to tell you, God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He will not change. The way of salvation will not change. Now we've come to a time in our service that it is your chance to respond to what God is asking you to do. If God is dealing with you, do not leave this place today without answering Him. If it's just coming to the altar to pray or pray where you are, don't leave this place without doing it. If He is drawing you to Christ. I would be more than happy to talk to you about that. There are people in this congregation that would be thrilled to talk to you about that. Don't leave today without doing whatever it is God is asking you to do. If you are looking for a church home and God is telling you this is where you need to be part of, come forward. Let us know that we would gladly accept you into our fellowship. But don't leave this place today without doing whatever it is God's telling you to do. As we sing these verses of this song, don't leave without taking care of what God is telling you. Would you stand as we sing our hymn of invitation, 405, Have Faith in God. Faith in God when your pathway is lonely 
He sees and knows all the way you have trod, never alone are the least of his children. Have faith in God, have faith in God, have faith in God, he's on his throne. Have faith in God, he watches o'er his own. He cannot fail, he must prevail. Have faith in God, have faith in God. Have faith in God when your prayers are unanswered. Your earnest plea he will never forget. Wait on the Lord, trust his word and be patient. Have faith in God, he'll answer yet. Have faith in God, he's on his throne. Have faith in God, he watches o'er his own. He cannot fail. Prevail. Have faith in God. Have faith in God. Thank you for being here this morning. Don't forget, teenagers, if or middle school and high school, if you want to go with Chad tonight, be here at 4:30 to leave. Um, not really sure what time they'll be over. I think last night they were over, done about 8 o'clock, 8:30, something like that. So. Um, be here to go with that. Everybody else, please join us at Crest High School at 5 o'clock at the front entrance to Crest High School. We're going to gather there and we're going to pray over the church. There's going to be some people from Calvary Baptist down the road that are going to be meeting us up there. But please come and join us as we, as we pray over that school. Praying a hedge of protection over our students and our teachers and administrators as they begin their school year this next Wednesday. And then Tuesday, we have um, the Connect Fair at Gardner-Webb with all incoming students. So if you would like to join us, you can meet us here. I have to be up there by 10 o'clock. But we are also in need of donations to be able to take, um, whether it's we're needing pens and, pens, or pens and highlighters and things of that nature to give out. We'll get all that together. If, if you would not mind, if you're going to donate something, bring it by the office tomorrow um, and leave it here so that we can get all that gathered up and take up there to, to help and meet the students there at Gardner-Webb. Thank you. Oh, I do need to say thank you to Miles. Um, he has been our interpreter all summer, and today is the last day that he will be with us. Um, our interpreters from Gardner-Webb will be back Wednesday night. So uh, if you could do me a favor and just show him some appreciation and give him a round of applause for being with us this summer. So thank you, Miles, for being here. I'm sure that he will be back. He, he tried to leave us when he graduated from Gardner-Webb, but he, he can't get too far away from us. <laughs> So, um, but thank you. And Jim, as our deacon of the week, would you mind dismissing us in prayer?
you pray with me, please? Most gracious Heavenly Father, thank you so much for loving us, for bringing us together, for your grace, your mercy. Lord, we just love you. And as we depart from this building, help us to remember that this isn't the church, that we are the church. Help us to take you with us, to know you're with us every moment of every day. Help us to fill our minds with your word and our hearts with the spirit and keep our eyes upon the cross and what Jesus did for us because that's the only way we can please you and it's the only way we can share you with the world. So be with us now as we depart and in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank <clears throat> you.